Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. We want the glory to rise. I was hanging out with some young people on Friday. And before they went out to worship, they began, they talked to a group, a small group of pastors in the city. And they said, you know, we, we were released by our pastors. They were big ministries. And they've been to 105 cities since COVID started. 105. And everywhere they go, lives are transformed. And they said, what we have discovered as we walk is two people. They walked in obedience and the movement. And the movement is called Let Us Worship, which some questions until I looked in their eyes and talked to them and saw the glory of God. And today, I'm going to go from the scripture, but I want to tell some stories about things that I've learned. But one of the things that they said was, we, we love the church. We will always be associated with the church. But they said what we discovered was in the church, in the building, in the institution, the glory of God begins to move. We get the glory and then we do announcements and we do other things and the glory is quenched. He said, what we're doing is free. He said, what we do is we do it based on the prophet Isaiah because in the glory God moves. He says, so what we do is we wait until the glory is strong and then we challenge the people and people run to the altar. Some people who've never been in the church, some people who've been in the church and don't know God run to the altar. And I started to, I learned, God taught me some lessons that I didn't plan on learning. And before I get to the text, I think it's important. I'm feeling an urge by the Spirit to say this. Friday was a long day for me. We put to rest one of the beloved saints, sweet, sweet daughter of New Covenant. And while we were preparing to celebrate her life, we got the news that her nephew had been murdered. And so we had to do a spontaneous prayer for that family. And I was sad. And we all were sad. And later, I'm telling you, the Spirit of God said, the day will come, son, where you won't be sad. You'll get mad at the devil and say, no more are you going to kill our children. We're going to expose the principalities. God said, if you just do what I say to do, you'll see Satan fall like lightning. Just as he sent out the 70 who were inexperienced and they came back excited. Jesus said, you're excited about that? That the demons tremble at my name? He said, I saw Satan fall as lightning. Somebody say the church has left the building. And here's one of the lessons that I learned that caused me to realize God, I'm to say I'm sorry because it's the kind of thing that you don't recognize when you're in a situation 
Everyone's right in their own eyes. Am I right? Am I in the book? And so there's a way that we do church that is institutionalized church. That's not our intent. We love God. But to an outsider, and especially to a generation that does not trust institutions, the church isn't attractive. I learned this all in a couple of hours. And I'm like, Lord, that's why it's not attractive to young people. They don't trust institutions. They don't trust government. And then we give them all these rules and we treat them like this. And then I saw a freedom and the power of God and the way God moved. Nobody cared how what people had on. Nobody cared. If you, I saw the people who were being baptized. I said, God, I'm sorry. I haven't baptized anybody in 16 months. On the streets of Philadelphia, they were baptizing people. They were baptizing them. And I said, God, I, I see, I see, I see your hand. But that's not the most valuable lesson that I learned. Because in the morning, we had to celebrate the life of our dear, beloved sister. And I did the eulogy. And because of the time, after doing the eulogy and the committal and being present for those who were live and remain at the repast, the time for me to get to this place was at hand. I couldn't go home and change. I had to go the way I was, with a suit and a tie, looking respectable and dignified. But I, something happened when I drove up and all the pe cops everywhere, security everywhere, and they let me through, drive through. I felt like an ambassador for Christ. And I went inside and they, they started to speak to us as the fathers of the city to begin a move of God that they sense that God has told them that's going to happen in Philadelphia and we've been praying. And I want to say to the intercessors, I, I've seen with my eyes the prayers that I've heard you praying beginning to come to pass. I see it coming. And by, before I sit down, hopefully you'll understand what I mean. So I walk in the building and I feel out of place. It feels uncomfortable because everybody in there is casual. And I have on a suit and tie for a reason. They don't care. They know me. They love me. I'm all right to them. But there were some people who had come from far, who God sent here, who were very, very casual. And I felt out of place. I even felt ashamed. I had on a nice suit, too. But I felt ashamed because I was different. And I didn't feel like I was one of them. And I didn't feel like I, what I had on was acceptable. And so I started to fret. And God let me know, do you know how many people come in your church who feel like that? You know how many don't come, who won't take the time to go through security and come in? And I didn't want, and the ducats are my witness. I said, I don't feel like doing this today. I don't even want to do it. I'm tired. I had a long day, but I gave my word. I got to do it. And I said to them in the parking lot, every time I feel like this, God does something special when I show up. 
And so I, I, I got over those feelings and I went in, I started looking around and they were selling some merchandise. And I went and bought a t-shirt so I could be like them. And I had a good saying on it. And they, I asked the pastor, can I go somewhere private and change? I went, I came out with my t-shirt. I still had it on my pants and my shoes. Everybody else, looked. I still didn't feel right. I still didn't feel right. So I looked at the merch again. I saw a hoodie. I started asking people, I'm telling you the truth. And I said, how about a hoodie? So I went, I took out my money and I bought, I put it on. And I felt more like I fit. And I'm like, I can't do anything about these pants. So I just, I just got to wear them. They're going to think I got on old man pants with this hoodie, but at least up top, I'm good. Because they asked me to go on stage and to pray and declare over the city and over the people that were there. And I realized I had a conversation. I met a young man who was unchurched. His father had just been murdered. He and his brother struggled with drug addiction, young man. And I met him, and my friend who introduced me told me that on Tuesday night, Eddie James was at his, his church. And the young man walked in and heard the sound of worship as he was walking down, and he came in, he began to weep. And he fell on his face and said, wherever he goes, I want to go. He was not of age. He had to get permission from his mother. His mother said, take him. And on that day, I got to meet this young man. Now, because of the way I'm wired, when he was introduced to me, I thought he said he was going with, he said I'm going with Eddie James. I thought he meant he was going up on stage with him and that he was going to sing with him. So I began to encourage him. And I started to say, sis, you have an anointing on your life. If you're able to sing with Eddie James, God's going to bless. There's something that God has for you. He was polite. He went along with it. And I started to talk about the anointing. I started to talk about those things. And I realized later, this young man didn't understand a word I was saying because he was unchurched. He was there because Eddie James was going to take him back to Tennessee and develop him so that he can have deliverance. Come on, somebody say the church has left the building. And I, did, I went from feeling uncomfortable to now I'm comfortable. People were saying, hey, where you get that hoodie? I'm like, right over here on the table. That's not what they were saying. They were saying, okay, now you look more like us. I didn't understand it. And God said, how many times have you communicated to people and they don't know what you're talking about? Because you're not speaking a language they understand. If the church is going to be relevant, we need to understand the people we minister to. And that's why God is preparing new wineskins. And I saw these young people who were free in the spirit. I saw the power of God. And I said, God, what is it that's holding us back? What is it? I know that your promises are true and you're going to do what you said in your church. And right over where we were worshiping was a rainbow, a beautiful rainbow. And somebody got up and said, this is a prophetic sign that God is saying, Philadelphia, the promises of God are true. The rainbow has been co-opted, but the rainbow, I want you to know that my promises are true.
And I just want to say, don't give up. Keep praying. But we got to open up our arms and receive those who don't talk like us, who don't look like us. God made me feel ashamed so I would know what it feels like for people who have not been church to come in and they don't feel accepted so they leave. He also showed me how much they run after Jesus. They love God. We have to learn how to make God more attractive. The power of God and the love of God is attractive. People who are struggling run to him. I'm talking about they didn't walk, they ran and they fell on their faces. I haven't seen so much weeping in a long time. First time I laid on hands in a while. I'm taking a risk telling my wife I laid on hands. I'm going to hear this later. I know, I hear you over there, COVID. But I'm, it was the Holy Ghost. That I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost was so powerful that all I saw was the glory of God. All I sensed was the glory of God. And that's what the church is to release, the glory and the power of God. Let's get to the text here, which is found in Ephesians the third chapter. I'm going to read verses 8 through 11. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent, listen to the intention that God has for the church, that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Somebody say, by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The murder and the violence and the addiction that we see is not about flesh and blood. And so God is calling to the, ch the church to a place of power that we might show the principalities and powers in heaven. So the strong man of Philadelphia, the prince of Philadelphia, will fall like lightning when the United Church begins to cry out. It says, according to the eternal purpose, God has an intent and a purpose for the church, an eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our, our Lord. His purpose is already accomplished. We just need to walk it out. I feel in my spirit, God is saying, you've talked it out enough. It's time to walk it out in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. I want to lift up two words, access and boldness, because I believe they both will get us to the intent and purpose that God has for the church 
so that the the visibility of what the principalities are doing will be overshadowed by the power of God through the church. The world wants the church to keep silent. If we speak the truth, we're vilified. And the only reason that happens is because we're not united. But there's a move of God that's bringing us together. And as the church becomes one, the ecclesia of God, and as we go out into the world, things are going to change. I can tell you with great confidence they're going to change because I heard the Lord say, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the gates of hell cannot, will not, shall not prevail against the church of God when we, when we obey his word and we go. I want to first talk about access. There are some people who God has already prepared. He's already prepared because the work is finished. You heard it in the text. It's eternal, but it was completed in Christ who don't feel that they have access because people are holding on to mantles. People are holding on to titles. But I want you to know that where the spirit of the Lord is, I'm speaking to somebody today, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And there's a move of God that is free and is powerful. And I know that it's the will of God for access to be available and open. For the saints, of course, you saw it in the text, and for those who have called, he's called to be saints. And for those people who, who feel uncomfortable, you feel like you don't fit, God put me in that situation to help me understand. There are times for those of you who might be watching the stream and you're not accustomed to the language of the church. I'm going to speak to you about scripture, but I want to try to make it relevant to you. When God wants to teach his people something, he will allow them to go through something until they learn it. And if you don't learn it, you go through it again and again and again. And slow learners tend to blame God because they think, where is God? Because they, why does this keep happening? because you haven't learned. There was a prophet named Isaiah. God wanted him to communicate a message to his people. And he asked him to do something that made him look crazy. He said, I want you to have your buttocks out. Not for three minutes, not for three hours, not for three days, not for three months, but for three years. And he wouldn't let him hide and just sit down so nobody could see it. I know if that was me, you, every time you see me, I'd be sitting. You would say, can he walk? No, no, no. God wanted them to see it because he was communicating to Israel that you've been exposed. And so sometimes I know that you feel radical in your faith and you feel like you don't fit in the nice, proper places. But God calls people to do radical stuff. I won't even tell you what he had Ezekiel to do because you may not have had breakfast yet. But God calls us to do some things 
in order to communicate to people and to communicate to us how much he loves us. He had another prophet by the name of Amos. He told him to go marry a woman named Gomar who God knew was a harlot. He said, I want you to marry her. And he married her and they had a son and another son and she continued in harlotry. This wasn't a part of what I was supposed to say, but this is what God is telling me to say now. Somebody needs to hear this. She continued in harlotry. But now, he wasn't just doing it because God said do it. He had fallen in love with her. And so he went looking for her. And he found her. And he paid a great price to bring Gomar back. And he said, why do you keep hurting me like this? And he brought her and possessed her. He, all the stuff she did, he forgave it. He put it away. And that was God's intent. I want you to experience what it feels like to love somebody who doesn't love you back. I want you to know somebody, I feel something for you. God wants you to know he loves you. I know you think that you're unlovable. But he's saying just as Gomar, he, the, what he said to the nation is, I'm married to the backslider. I'm married to you. And to the prophet, he said, you see how that love feels? My love is greater. So do you think I'm going to throw my people away because they made a mistake? I know you've been told that you're not worthy because your lifestyle is a certain way. God is able to change that. Ain't no rules or regulation going to change that. It's just going to drive you away. That's why you have fallen away. God sent me to tell you that he's chasing after you. He's running after you. He paid a great price for you. He really loves you. He's so intimate with you that he's fallen head over heels in love. And he doesn't understand why you don't love him back. And I want to say, we want you to know how attractive he is, how good he is, how deep his love goes for you. There's nobody who can love you like this. He'll be the lover of your soul. That relationship you are in, you'll either make it right or you'll walk away because you'll see that nobody can love you like Jesus. Nobody will sacrifice for you like him. He'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. He'll be there with you. And there's somebody else, some others who need to hear that you don't get close to God because of what you do, your works. He, he loves you before you have done anything for him, anything. How do I know this? His son, Jesus, on the day that he was to be baptized, I'm talking about access. On the day that he was to be baptized, John the Baptist said, I can't baptize you. You need to baptize me. He said, no, suffer it to be so, to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus went through that so that all righteousness would be in him. And then we have become the righteousness of God in him. It's not what I do or don't do. It's about him. And he wants you to know 
Your own righteousness is but filthy rags. I don't care how morally upright you think you are. You can't bribe God. I heard a young man say, anybody who thinks that their good works can get them close to God doesn't understand that's bribery, and God can't be bribed. All you have to do is throw yourself on the mercy of the court because God is judge, but he's not a scary judge. He's a loving judge who wants you. He wants what's good for you. He doesn't like the things that are destructive, the things that our culture program us to lust after. On the day that we celebrate the birth of America, a great nation that we all love, who was founded on the principles of the Bible, but if we're honest, has had a falling away. We have sent more missionaries, and my good friend Doug Tunney is here, and I believe it's the grace of God that allowed YWAM to be on our campus, whose mission is simple, to know God and to make him known. We exported more missionaries than any other country in the world. And now the greatest mission field in the world is America. The young men that I was talking to that went to 105 cities over the pandemic said these words. They said, you would think you were in the Middle East or in Africa or somewhere else. This and this is America. He says, the devil is trying to divide us. He's trying to divide the church. He's trying to divide us racially. He's trying to divide us politically. He's destroying our children, but God is going to raise up the church. And one of the young men who is in this movement has been to over 85 countries and been in the underground church and saw the move of God. God plucked him up and said, go. And he got one other person in there going. And I believe that revival is coming because they obeyed the voice of God. So we exported all these missionaries, and today, the number one thing that we export, the number one export in the world is culture. And underneath that, it's not goods, it's not what's on the ship, it's culture. And if you look underneath our culture, the number one exporter of pornography in the world is the United States. We're 4% of the world's population, and 60% of the pornography around the world comes from here. A nation that says, one nation under God. But God is calling us back because of the faithfulness of this nation and because of the good works. I'm glad we serve a God who says he will not, he's not unfaithful to forget our good works and our labors of love. So he's calling us back. And there's a move of God uniting the church, bringing the church back together that we might declare the truth. And he's shaking us up so that all these things can be exposed. Like Isaiah for three years walking around Israel. God is exposing some things so that his church can be gathered. I know what it looks like. It looks like the church is scattered, but Jesus said, no, 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 I'm gathering my folk. 
I'm get, I'm get, there's new wine skin. That new wine is going in. And you just need to be ready to receive them. I want you to see it first so that when it happens, you'll know it. Access. Let me say this last thing about access that God told me to communicate. Sometimes we hold on to things a little too tight and too long that God wants us to let go. He wants to do a new thing and we hold on to what was and it's not what is. You got to discern the spirit of God and knowing the times. And so I said, Lord, what is the conflict? We have generational conflict that divides us. God, why? What is the answer? It's hard. It's hard because we all have preferences. There are things that I would prefer, but my preference isn't truth. There are things that I've experienced that I want my children to experience, but my experience isn't truth. Jesus is the truth. And it's about him. It's not about all this other stuff that we're distracted by. It's about Jesus. And if we lift him up, he'll draw. And so God said, why are you concerned about this? You already know the way. You know the way. And I, feel, I felt like Philip for a moment. Lord, how can we know the way? He said, no, the prophet Joel has already told you. You know it. Do it. He said, don't you know that young men, young women will see visions and old men will dream dreams? He said, so why is it that the elders want to cast their vision on the young? That's prophetically perverted. My God, he said, "You, what you have to do, I need those who know the way to pour into those who are strong because I put vision in them that you won't understand because your preference has messed you up. Your experience is so familiar that you don't even see what I'm doing unless you see what they're doing. I'm doing a new thing. If you want to be, if you want to have new wineskins, you got to know how to receive those that I've already prepared. I've prepared them. And you haven't made them feel welcome. You make them feel like they don't fit. You make them feel like this isn't the place for me. And so they go and they've left the building. But I, they still seek me. I saw the power of God moving in them. And so God said, says this to us. As the young see visions and as the old dream dreams, I want to encourage the young people out there and out here to speak to someone, to a spiritual father or mother who can share their dreams. It'll enhance your vision. And I'm saying to fathers and mothers in the faith, I don't care if you don't have natural children. You need to have spiritual sons and daughters because that's how fruit multiplies. In every fruit, there's a seed. 
And the seed has something in itself that causes more fruit. I, the, another thing that I marveled at last night with Eddie James, which will illustrate this point of reproduction of those with vision and those with dreams coming together for the advancement of the kingdom. A, a friend of mine has known him for years, and when he saw him, he went up and he hugged him and they talked like old friends. And I marveled because the intercessors who used to come to noonday prayer know that there were days when we would play Eddie James, open the floodgates of heaven. And in some of the lyrics says, what we're doing is not working. And he would pray for an awakening. He would pray for a revival in his worship music. And he would speak with the tongues of angels. And now he's standing in front of me. That's not by chance. Intercessors were praying day after day in this building. And the sound of this man's voice was in there as we wept and asked God to save our children, to raise up another generation. And now he's right here in front of me. And I didn't realize that until later God started to bring that to my remembrance. And my friend started to tell me that for years he's been coming to his church in North Philly. And he said he used to bring this young man named Dante. And his wife saw something on him and prophetically she said, he's going to be famous. He, there's something that God's going to do. He's going to be famous. Dante now is one of the leaders of Maverick City which is turning the gospel world upside down. If you, if you Google Dante, D-A-N-T-E, take me back, Maverick City, and when you have a moment, watch that video. I want you to see the worship style of young people, how it can be true worship and sincere and genuine. And when I look at the young people, this is not the style that I would have, but I feel the spirit of God and that's another way God was teaching me. See, that vision is not your vision. But his dreams are not your dreams. He needed a father in the gospel to develop him. And that's what Eddie James was to him. And three of those who were in Maverick City, who were the hottest gospel group on the face of the earth, were birthed because Eddie James was a true worshiper. And when he was saying what we're doing is not working, he wasn't just saying it. He started to seek the new wine skin and the new wine and the fruit of that. And so I stand before you today and ask everybody who knows how to pray when you go in your closet, say, God, raise up a Dante in New, Jersey, in, in New Covenant. Raise up a Dante in Philadelphia. Raise up young people who you have prepared before the foundation of the earth who you prepared before you separated them from your, their mother's womb. God is able to do it. And it doesn't, I want you to hear this. It has not diminished Eddie James one iota. It has elevated him. When we have spiritual sons and daughters that we pour into and that we allow to lead, and that we allow to make mistakes. God can do something in them and in us and in the church that cannot be done without them. Access and boldness 
Here's another thing that I saw and I see, and I'm sure you have also. That same generation that doesn't trust institutions, who doesn't like structure and rules, they're more of Jesus people. They just want him. You can have all that other stuff. You can have all that other stuff. It's like, we don't have anything against church people. You can have that. You do your programs. Do all your announcements, but I want Jesus. I'm going out into the world and tell everybody I know that Jesus saves, that there's nobody like him, that I love him. I can't do without him. I got to have him. You think you got to have that pipe. I'm going to tell you something better than that pipe you're smoking. They're able to reach them and say, put that pipe down. I know what you're doing. I know how you're feeling. But I'm telling you that Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is stronger. Jesus is greater. And they can reach people that we can't reach. And they're bold. I think God made them suspicious of institutions. And authority, I, I call them, you disobedient. Shut up and sit down somewhere. That's my generation. That's what I do because that's what was done unto me. God is saying, no, no, no. Don't muzzle them. Let them go because you are part of the church and you've been silent so long. There's killing in the streets. And what have you done? You haven't even allowed me to release my power because you've been so comfortable. When it's hot, you get the air conditioning. When it's cold, you have heat. He said, I'm raising up some people who are ready, willing to sacrifice. The power of God is moving the greatest in a place where the church is oppressed. In Iran. And they know they're oppressed. The power of God is moving. One of the problems we have is that we're oppressed, Sam, and we don't know we're oppressed. We think we're free. But Jesus, the Bible says Jesus went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. Is there anybody in Philadelphia that you know who is oppressed by the devil? I heard that. Oh, yeah. And if so, why aren't we setting them free? Why aren't we setting them free? God is shaking us up. And saying, if you are in my son, I need you to do like he did. Didn't I tell you greater works than these will you do? Because I go to my father and God is raising up a generation who's going to be bold, who will not shut up, who will not be politically correct, who will not keep silent. Who I'm telling you the church is going to have influence more than we've seen in our lifetime because God is going to raise up a people who know that I got access to him and I have power and they're going to speak up and they're going to speak out. Those young people that we saw in the streets by the thousands and if you add it up by the millions, they weren't afraid of the stuff that caused me to be locked up in my house because there's something on them. And I read one of them saying, this is church to me. This is church to me. And I was thinking, what in the world are they talking about? But I understand better now. They're saying the freedom of the spirit to move and to impact lives and to change stuff.
It's not enough to say something. You've, that's, that's the beginning. But there's got to be impact. People need to see a demonstration of the power of God. And I'm telling you, Philadelphia is going to be like it was in the days of Benjamin Franklin. When he said, I, was, I walked through the neighborhoods of Philadelphia and I heard songs of praise and worship coming out of the windows. My God. And I heard families talking about the glory of God. Those days are going to come back where we're going to be walking down the street saying, we exalt thee, and people are going to join in. It's going to be a heavenly choir. It's coming. It's coming. God is saying, be one. Generations come together. Don't let politics, don't let race, don't let theology, don't let doctrine, don't let anything divide you because my church is going to make an open show of the principalities. My church is going to prevail. My church is going to move in power. My church is going to be like me who said, and Jesus said, all that come to me, not one will I cast out. I want to speak to everyone who feels like a castaway. If you feel like you've been cast away, I, I promise you that wasn't Jesus. Because his promise to me and to you is that if we come to him, not only will he receive us, but he will not cast us out. And no one is strong enough to, pl enough to pluck us away from the hand of our father because he's greater than all. And so I come to encourage you tonight, today, today, somebody's going to see this, it's going to be night, but you can tell by the sun, it's today. <laughs> I'm coming to encourage you by the Spirit of God that you matter, that you have access, and the boldness that you feel, God is going to redirect that, and it's going to be to advance his kingdom. His kingdom is going to come. His will is going to be done. There have been too many people praying in Philadelphia. I've heard them. I've seen them. People who love God. People who pour out their lives on the altar. And for the sake of those who are weak, God is going to strengthen them in their innermost being. There's an intent that God has. There's a purpose that God is working. And you are part of that purpose. But you got to take the first step. You got to come to him. He's calling you. He loves you with an everlasting love. Nobody can fulfill your desires like him. Sex can't do it. Drugs can't do it. Pornography can't do it. Money can't do it. Nobody can do you like Jesus. There are plenty of rich people who are miserable. There are famous people. Fame can't do it having followers in a name and still depressed. You don't know why you're depressed. It's because God has something for you. It's called his joy. And the joy of the Lord will be your strength. You who can't seem to have any peace, you lay awake at night, you toss and turn. Everything in your life seems to appear to be okay but you're restless 
I want you to know there's a peace that passes all understanding that will keep your heart and your mind in him. It's this Jesus I want to offer to you. It is this Jesus who gave his very life that you might have life. It is this Jesus who opposes the enemy of your soul, who comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But he came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So I speak life over you. Wherever you are, if you sense the Spirit of God tugging on you, I want you to, to say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I do love you. I know now that I've heard your voice and I've run after things that are lustful, that satisfy my flesh for a moment. But I realize today I'm empty. Would you receive me according to your promise? Take me in. I want to be yours. Lord, I'm yours. Test me now and see. And see if I can be completely yours. God, make me over in such a way that there's no room for all this other stuff. I know it's not good for me, but I can't seem to break away. But I heard about your power and that you're able to do it. And so God, I pray that you would release your power over every heart, over everyone who has prayed that prayer and reveal yourself in a way that is undeniably you. Become the lover of their soul. Take them now that they might be your child and you might be their God. Forgive them. Wipe away their sins. God, teach them that when you take away their sins, they're removed as far as the east is from the west. And the east and the west never come together. So keep them May they bow down and worship you from this time forth and even forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.